The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I am Darren Karp. And I'm Liz Cullian. How NPR, like, fresh air of you. Liz, introduce this podcast. I love it. We couldn't even have a third guest on today because the level of hungoverness that I feel, and ultimately I blame you for this. And I don't want to, I don't want to start this podcast just saying like everything is your fault, but like today it's your fault. Mm. And uh, it's my fault. I know. It's a hundred percent Liz's fault. And Liz should have frankly not been so self-absorbed and selfish and flown in for the night to come to this party with me uh, because it last night we're recording this on a Wednesday. So last night, Tuesday of this week. Uh, the Real Housewives of New York premiered and Leah McSweeney was kind enough to invite both of us to her premiere party. And I went and Liz couldn't go. And as Liz said on my Instagram, you had no FOMO at all. You were totally fine. Just I was not fine. I'm on a soup <laughs> cleanse. I was heat holding laundry. I'm watching season two of Temptation Island, which I blame you for not telling me how amazing Temptation Island is it's great. sooner. Wait, are you watching the current season, the one that just ended? I already watched the current season, but now I'm going back into the archives season two, which is way better than season three. Yeah, season three was kind of meh. But like, did you watch the reunion of season three? Oh, no, not yet. Oh, watch the reunion because it's like they update you on where the couples are. And I almost. Oh, my God. So so, so don't come. I got something to watch. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. yeah. Yeah. No, I was watching you. I was watching Taylor Strucker, who, by the way, tried to not go. No, well, so I'm taking full credit. She, I know the whole Kelly Catrone thing. I know, no, I know that I know. she did try to back out because she was like, I said to her on Taylor Strickland, I was like, you know, I'm an introverted, extroverted person. Like, I love going out and I'll hang out, but I need to like have a controlled environment where it's like I determine when I come home. Like, I like I like being sure. indoors. I don't mind hanging out like by myself. And so, you know, I was telling her, I was like, you know, in three months time when things open up and things are back to normal, you're going to hear people complaining that they wish they went back to like, you know, not having to go out. And Taylor was like, yeah, that's. It's kind of me. And I was like, come on, Tay. I was like, come out for three hours. Like, what's going to hurt? And she had a great time. She had a great time. I mean, did you see? OK, I know you're going to give me your recap. Yeah. But did you see Lourdes Chacon fucking Madonna's daughter there? I did see that. I did see. I would have shot myself. I did see Lourdes. You said Anthony was going to show up, but I, I don't think I saw Anthony him. was on his Instagram. So for the listeners, basically, here's the net net. And then I want to hear everything from Darren just yeah. to give you background. Leah texts us and is like, hey, come to this party. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. I live in Los Angeles, <laughs> California. And you could have told me this way before. And she's like, my bad. So then Darren's like, I'm going to go. And I'm like, yeah, go. Um, And then (laughs) my dearest friend, Courtney, who went to high school with Leah, who I was one of my best friends was there with another friend of ours. And then Taylor Strecker, who you guys, if you guys are friends of the podcast, you know that she is kind of like our podcasting mother as we've called her. Yeah. She was trying to back out. She goes with Kelly Catrone and with Darren And I am fucking on this soup cleanse in my house in Los Angeles, (laughs) watching it all unfold on Instagram. And I got to tell you guys, I felt real losery FOMO. But let me just tell you, this is how great my girlfriend is. Like, this is how great Nadine is, is that she commented. So she's like abroad right now filming something. And she commented on my Instagram story. She's like, I just love seeing you in your element again. And I was like, I love you for supporting me. And I was so in my element, Liz. That, oh, I'm sure. So I, I brought my friend Kat Timpf, who has her own like Fox News show uh, on Greg Gutfeld. 
So I brought her. And who's she, friends with Leah? Who's friends with Leah. They had like Passover dinner together, whatever. So it all kind of like Love connects it. in this weird way. And Kat Marnell was hosting it. And so Kat's like, Kat, my friend Kat Timpf is a big fan of Kat Marnell. So, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. It's at a fun bar. I saw Leah like right away. Who's just like, she was gorgeous and amazing. And like the nicest person, like Leah's just like, she's such a good host. Like she's just going around saying hi to everyone being so fucking cool. It's like kind of amazing. And all of a sudden, you know, we're starting to drink. I don't know what the hell they put in the drinks. Like I had three drinks. Alcohol, and, Darren. It's no. called alcohol. <laughs> You don't ever drink it. So that's why okay, you're but a like, stoner. But like three drinks, like the level of like how much I needed to sleep based on three drinks. Like I don't drink that much, but like I can handle three drinks. Like I, I totally I was like they had a heavy pour or something like it was nuts. But anyway, as I'm, I'm hanging inside having a drink, I see Dolores Catania walk by and I just yell out Dolo and she turns and I basically... Like if I, I was maybe an inch close to just like making out with everything that she was like, I hit on her so hard. Mm. I was like, why are you so hot? Why are you amazing? By the way, Nadine is aware of this. This is not weird. Like she knows that it, you love. Nadine knows what the fuck she got herself into. And Nadine she knows that tripping. Dolores Catania is amazing. Like Dolores Catania is just like, she's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like she's just, she's just hot. And so I introduced her to Kat and then Taylor. Oh, and I introduced Leah to Taylor because they had never oh, met. Good. Thank and Taylor you. was kind of scared. She was like, is Leah going to like me? I was like, Leah will be great. Like I was what like. What the fuck is wrong with Taylor? Taylor's she the worst. Figure it out. Taylor's the worst. Dolores and Leah are the best. That's the hierarchy of my <laughs> night, essentially. And uh, we were just ended up hanging out with Dolores forever. Like there were drag queens there doing performances. Like they did a dead drop. Uh, I put it on my Instagram. I couldn't tell you the names of the drag queens, though. I'm not as well versed with you. Like Whatever. This sounds like the worst party ever. It was really lame. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. We stayed oh, for 15 God, minutes so and just FOMO. read a book. Um, did you watch the premiere? I didn't. Wow. Sorry, wow. I know. You know, I will. I'm sorry. I was too invested in Temptation Island. I can't believe you went back and watched it. Like, that's wild. Oh, I'm deep in it. I love that I'm getting you into reality more and more. I'm getting you into Drag Race. You're getting me into Temptation Island. Temptation Island is fantastic. No, it's a great I'm show. I'm sorry. If you guys aren't watching, I would love for them to do a gay... Why don't we go and try to be EPs and do a gay temptation? You know, and I got to say, I really got Nadine at Nadine. Are you listening in uh, Australia? You remember when they did the, are you the one? Like I keep wanting to say generation Q, but that's for L word generation Q. But you know what I'm talking about? The queer, are you the one? Like that was pretty revolutionary in the dating game space. Like the only other time I can ever remember really having like, it was like Tila Tequila, who was a bisexual. And that was what, 20 fucking years ago on VH1 mm-hmm. or whatever. Very rare. And then they did the one with Lance Bass where they tried to do The Bachelor with the gays. And that just turned into an orgy. Well, so that was my point. That, that was what I was oh, going to say. Which, no, no, I, I forgot the show, but that's right. Because it's like. I mean, there's plenty of reasons why we probably don't have a gay bachelor, but one of them being it's like, well, eventually they're all just going to hook up with each other and not give a shit about the bachelor or bachelorette. You know what I mean? Like 25 lesbians in a house. It's like, do we care about the bachelorette anymore? Like, not sure that they do. Well, that's the worry anyway, right? Like, interesting. That's so, I never thought of it that way. I mean, but that makes sense. I also can't think straight because I am eating 200 calories a day. Yeah. Yeah. I, but <laughs> that does make but sense. But to your point, that wouldn't really happen on Temptation Island because if you separated the couples and ha- let's say it's a lesbian, whatever, one or bisexual, but let's just say for all intents and purposes, it's like an all female one. 
like, or it's like maybe half gay men, half lesbians, like you separate the couples and then you have double the amount of like singles. So there's two pods of like gay men, lesbians, gay men, lesbians, and they wouldn't have to like intermix. Like it's actually encouraged for them to hook up and you just have to stay true to like your significant other. I think it would almost be the perfect show for a bisexual gay couple, whatever the hell. I think we should do it. By the way, by the time that this airs, I just want to let all the listeners know, Darren and I have already reached out to our respective management and agents. <laughs> and so if you try to fucking come for us That's and right. steal this idea, I will find you and I will. We're going to remember that one um, MTV true life where he screams on his wedding day and he tells the limo driver he's going to gut him like a fish. Yeah. I'll get you like a fish. We're going to we're going to call it temptation fire island. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad you had fun. I know when Azalea Banks was there in a ball gown last night. Um, Yes. When she came walking through, I only like I missed her like like the back of it. Like it was hard to even tell who was there. Cause it was like, how many people, a lot of people were there. Well, the thing is, it's like, there was a bar. It wasn't like a lot of people. Like it wasn't like 200 people or something like that, but it was like, there was an inside portion where everything was open and then they had the bars and then they had the back area that was outside technically with sure. tables and it like went around and you weren't really going to hang out next to people who were like eating, even though they were part of the party. So it was like, kind of hard to tell. Not everyone was standing up. There wasn't any dancing. They had like a projector, like TV screen outside and you could also watch it in the bar, but it was like a good amount of people. I mean, all things I considered. Mean, it looked amazing. It and was, I just, the FOMO is so intense and I'm glad you went. And I, the Antoni thing is because I saw on his, Leah reposted his Instagram where he's like, we're on our way to the party. So for the listeners, I basically started crazily texting Darren, like, listen up, you're going to work the fucking room. You're going to go find him. You're going to go fucking get us some talent for the show. Okay, Darren. And then you met someone that actually listens to the show, right? I did. I wanted to shout her out. Uh, her name is Kyra and she's awesome. We took a picture together and she came up to me and she was like, and <gasps> I will say Kyra, like I was a little drunk. I'm not going to lie. Like, but the one thing that I do wholeheartedly remember, not Azalea Banks, it was Kyra. And she was just so sweet. And she complimented the podcast. And I told her, I DM'd her today. Um, and I and I told her, like, I was going to shout you out as long as that was cool. And so she approved of that. Otherwise, I wouldn't want to say somebody's name. But uh, she just had nothing but great things to say. And she liked that we have kind of this varying of guests, you know, not just strictly gay, strictly lesbian or, or bi. There's like, you know, a fluid chart of everything. And also we've had straight people on. And and the, and she said that was really helpful. And we do it in this really like nuanced intellectual way. And so, you know, uh, Kyra, we love you. I just wanted to say thanks. Did she really say nuanced and intellectual way? Or did you just add that in there? I think I added nuance, but I think she said intellectual. <laughs> I feel like nuanced is something you would add. No, I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, mean, I, yeah. I feel like I got the gist. Kyra, please DM me if I got the gist wrong. <laughs> I'm happy to be corrected, but I feel like that was what she had reflected onto me, which I thought, which I very much so appreciated. So, you know, we got, no, I like we it. got drag queens, we got housewives, we got Azalea Banks, we got Madonna's kids, we got... Kyra, we're all over the place last night and I am feeling it today. Okay. So I have just a little bit, I know we've been, and by the way, we did get some feedback recently on Instagram that people really like the way we're doing the show, which is typically we have kind of a friend of ours 
come on the top of the hour and we kiki and we do something fun. Last week we did it with Paige to Sorbo. We yeah. talked about reunion fashion looks. Today, really, Darren is the star of the show here. So we just are interviewing. We had to Darren. recap the party. So it was like there was had no to recap point the party. Any, yeah, right. We had to. We've got some other fun folks lined up, but I do have, even though this is kind of our most recent iteration of the show, I have an interesting news item I wanted to just chat about for you know a couple of minutes before you we get into our. You said this was our, about Kevin Spacey, so it is about Kevin. He's not Spacey. my favorite person, I gotta say. No, no, I okay, know. Okay. So the headline that I read on them is this, and I just I thought this was so interesting. I felt like we could not talk about it. A judge is forcing one of Kevin Spacey's accuser to out himself to proceed with the lawsuit. Okay. Okay. And this person who has filed a lawsuit said that he claims that he was assaulted by Kevin Spacey in the 1980s when he was only 14 years old. Okay. According to the legal complaint, Spacey engaged in sexual acts with the accuser after meeting him at the Westchester County acting class and invited the teenager over to his apartment. He said he said no a ton of times. Spacey was allegedly in his 20s. I mean, obviously a lot of time has passed and the accuser is now in his fifties. Although civil sexual assault cases generally have to be filed within three years of the incident in New York, the state temporarily lifted the statute of limitations in the case last year. But after the case was transferred to the U S district court for the Southern district of New York, judge Louis A. Kaplan claimed that the CD cannot sue Spacey anonymously. And so he is now saying that this person does need to come forward. What do you think about that? I mean, wow. I'm, I'm actually surprised that that like that's a law or a rule, whatever, uh, because it would feel and granted there's cases where I think it is can be it can be like a case by case situation where I could see encouraging a witness or a victim to come forward because it might impact their case a little bit more knowing the sometimes knowing the name behind something like gives it a little bit more weight. So I could see being encouraged to do that. I could see an environment under which that happens. But it also seems to me, and I've covered a lot of this on, you know, shaken and disturbed and true crime in general that, and I know this wasn't a murder, but that when you make or force like a victim to say their name or come forward in a way that they don't feel safe, that can kind of like re-victimize them again. And, and well, right. I have more information though. Oh, okay. Go, go. The information is that the judge Kaplan said, well, it's interesting that he's saying that his PTSD prevents him from outing himself. It did not prevent him from speaking to the news entertainment outlet Vulture, which has published a series of investigations regarding the numerous allegations of assault against Spacey. According to Vulture, more than 30 individuals have accused the American beauty actor of unwanted touching, sexual harassment, forcible intercourse. And he was one of the people that spoke to them anonymously still, but he did speak to them. So I, I know it's tricky, but it's kind of interesting. I, I, well, I don't it know. is he, tricky because you can't, you know, I do think sometimes with these allegations and, you know, it's all allegedly, I do believe in innocence until proven guilty. It's also shitty because like my favorite movie is American Beauty. So I just like hate that it's like associated with this. Like it just like, yeah, they ruin cringe. everything constantly. Uh, yeah, they, they do. I, I do think when you're going to make a claim that was 30 years yeah, like in the 80s, you said, right? So like 30 years prior, because he was 14, he's in his 50s now. So maybe even 40 years prior, however long it's been, you are setting yourself up for an uphill battle. I think it makes it very hard to prove claims when they've happened so long ago. And I think when you're not maybe coming forward 
for whatever reason, but willing to kind of still out Kevin Spacey and talk about him to media outlets. It's not the best look for something like that. Well, no, I know that's what's tricky about it. Because initially when I read the headline, I was like, that's fucked up. Like that's going to put this person, you know, into a trauma state. Obviously, if you guys listened to our episode with Carl last week, you know, bringing up past encounters can be very traumatized, re-triggering and traumatizing for folks. And it's a lot of confusing feelings, et cetera. But yeah. And then kind of hearing that he, or allegedly we believe this person to be a, he spoke to Vulture. It's kind of like tricky, right? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know. I I was really surprised by that. And, you know, yeah. And Kevin Spacey's behavior has been fucking Weird. Well, obviously, this isn't the only thing. And this, yeah, of course. I mean, that that weird fucking house of cards, like that weird YouTube video he did for nine minutes. But like famous people have, Anthony Rapp came out against him, you know, the rent actor. Uh, He's done among among a number of things and came out, you know, when he was. I don't know how old he was, but he was in his early teens when this happened. Also 14. 14. 14. And it's not like this is the first. You know, if this was the first and only allegation against Kevin Spacey, I would say that the guy's not going to do himself any service by not saying his name only because it just doesn't look good if this was the only case to catch Kevin Spacey or whatever. But the fact that there have been a number of reports about this gives it, I think, enough weight that maybe we shouldn't have to force someone to come forward with their name. However, if the rule is that you can't sue a person without at least being willing to state your God-given name. I, I mean, you know, I mean, then you kind of have to suffer the consequences for that as shitty as it is. I know. It's, it, that's a, it's a really tough call. It's a really tough call. I know. Obviously, we hope none of that's true. Like, you know, God forbid, like, that's just a horrible thing that happened. Like, I hope that, I, I, I obviously, I believe the victim. I'm just saying in general, I just wish all of this stuff didn't happen. No, it happen. sucks. Yes, um, sexual assault is trash. So it's trash, we definitely yeah. don't wish that upon anyone. Exactly. But, no, I just thought it was an interesting thing. You know, once we start getting into, yeah, like different court, this, that, and the other, it just gets really, it just gets really complicated. But anyway, well, just wanted your hot take on that. Really, I just wanted to change the narrative. Because you were so FOMOing? Because I was so FOMOing and I couldn't stand it. Now, Next up on the show, we have Matthew Herman, who is a co-founder of Boy Smells. I have a beautiful Boy Smells candle from Darren behind me. All the time. I know, but I refuse to light it. Because it's from me. Because it's from you. And he gave us wick scissors. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And they're great. Super funny. Yeah. Uh, It's funny (laughs) because when people come to my apartment, they're like, do you hold joints with that? And I'm like, no, it's to cut a wick. I was like, how would you hold a joint with that? But okay. That's tight though. But yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, it it is pretty tight. But yeah, he's he's great. He has a great (laughs) company. I love his candles. Uh, We're excited to talk to him. Yeah, I think you guys will like it. It's like a little bit of like a beauty... He kind of worked in fashion. So is his partner. It's just like a different episode for us. And I love speaking to founders. I know you do too, Darren. And absolutely. He's from Texas. Like we just talk about some fun stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy. Here you go. We're about to get lit. Smelly and lit uh, with our next guest. This podcast is on fire. Yeah, you know? I mean, I feel like we can smell. I can. You can be smelly in a good way, though, and I think that's what we're about to embark on, Liz. If I know this, a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, without further ado, let's get smelly. I'm going to introduce yes. our lovely guest today, Matthew Herman. Uh, he is the co-founder with David Kian, who is 
business partner and life partner, also co-dog father to three beautiful puppies, um, of Boy Smells, the candle company that everybody wants to get their hands on and their matches on. I don't know, guys. I'm, (laughs) I'm waiting for the coffee to kick in. Prior to founding Boy Smells, Herman was a veteran of the fashion industry, previously serving as design director at Nasty Gal. Ooh, Nasty Gal. Herman is Boy Smells scent creator. Ooh, which I'm excited about. He is passionate about expressing the brand's purpose and translating his vision into the aesthetics of Boy Smells as well. From the smallest label to the entire retail space, his brand's vision is creative in range. He is at the helm. He is here. And you have just launched also a fragrance line, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, Um, we have. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Scissoring is a Thing. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. (laughs) I got to start off by just saying thank you for sending me the Boy Smells Candles because I became like my girlfriend's favorite person when I opened up this (laughs) anonymous package of I don't know what, like- we buy so many things. I'm a huge candle person. I need like seance and all over. And I opened two amazing candles from you. And she and like we were both so excited. We burned them immediately. They're oh, fantastic. So thank that. you for that. Well, uh, right off, right off. Thank you for that lovely, glowing review and feedback. Uh, <laughs> it's always very nice to hear. Oh, well, I good. actually have a boy smells candle right there. Oh. Yeah, there we go. That Darren go. gave me. That's right. Huge fan of the brand. A less candle. <laughs> ah. I'm so repping here. So. So Matt, every week, you know, we start off our podcast and we ask our guests how they identify, uh, usually sexually, but it could be uh, gender wise, anything that you kind of feel is important. Some people don't answer. Some people do. How would you answer that question? And if you don't want to answer, just let us know why we're kind of open to everything here. Uh, Yeah. He, him, they, them. I'm cool with either. I mean, if you're my friend, she, her, you can call me that too. (laughs) Pronoun greedy. I (laughs) identify... However, I guess I feel that day. And that's kind of the basis of what Boy Smells is about too. It's just more like uh, we use the term gender full rather than genderless when we describe our products. And I guess that's kind of how I feel about myself is that gender and identity is like more of a playground that's full of fun things and exploration and that each day should, should be an adventure in identity. And so you know, kind of depends on the day, but, uh, you know, I, I pull on uh, different masculine and feminine energies depending on my mood and, you know, what's in the air. What would you say you smell like right now? That's Ooh. a very important question <laughs> that Liz and I need to know. Well, I smell like something that I'm working on oh. that I can't talk about, but love a secret that smells great. We're going to need to uh, <laughs> sample these ourselves in order to determine if they smell great, but fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Well, I can say it, we're working on something special for June for pride and, um, and I am test driving that new creation right now. Which is so interesting because everybody's like pheromones are so different and things totally. can smell so differently on different people. How many people, and we'll get back to kind of our questions that we ask everybody, you know, about all the gay shit. That was the working title for this podcast, talking yeah, about all, gay shit. All the gay we, shit. Yeah, all the gay also, shit, yes. not worse or better than scissoring isn't a thing, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair. There's, and, and there's new gay shit every day, so it's really hard to keep up, it's you know? It's so, so much gay shit. Um, <laughs> Don't I But how many it? people- but, but scissoring will never be a thing, so I think you chose the right- 
Same well, this I appreciate is... you so much more now, Matthew. You have absolutely no idea here. You know, go ahead, Liz. Go ahead. I'm just going to say for all the people listening that if you want to scissor and you it's <laughs> go for it. I think it's subjective. Right. Some people just call it rolling around. Other people call it scissoring. Some people yeah. call it humping some people, whatever. <laughs> anyway, back to my original question. How many people do you sample sense on? Like, do you have a, a set pool of individuals? Do you like walk up to somebody on the street? I guess you can't really in the pandemic, but you know, and be like, can I put this on you real quick? Cause it's so different for everybody. Yeah. I mostly wear everything myself, you know, while we're working on it. And then we, you know, you spray it on blotter cards, you know, well, this, I'm talking about personal fragrance, you know, which we call cologne de parfum because, you know, cologne is associated with men and perfume is associated with women. So we thought we'd just add our fuckery to it and call it cologne de parfum. <laughs> so for that, yes, it's very, very, very like specific to you, your chemistry and stuff like that. I usually test everything and wear it myself. We put it on blotter cards, which is kind of like when you go through like a fragrance hall at a fancy department store, they'll give you like, you know, that heavy spray on it and stuff like that. So we do a lot of that. Once we're kind of circulating towards a final formulation, I usually test drive it with like friends and family at that point. In sense, you know, like you spray something to to Matthew's point. It's like, oh, this is like a a boy smell. Oh, this is like a female smell. Yeah. I actually find in sense, it's like, oh, that smells like old lady. Like there's yeah. an age now range oh, of, of smells. And I wasn't aware of this either. So I'm learning a lot about scents in general. Totally. I think things like um, rose or violet, they tend to have a cosmetic or traditionally they've had like kind of a cosmetic like association or like a grandma association. But those are two of like my favorite scents to like mess around with just because yeah. they're familiar. They give you this kind of sense of. There's a nostalgia feeling. Yeah, almost exactly. Too, Hard to get grandmother. a perfect rose. I typically actually am a purist and I wear, I mean, I wear a lot of different yeah. things, but I love a pure rose. So playing with that is actually really fun. See, I could get really nerdy about this. I'm yeah, trying really to am. toe the let's, line. Let's go there. Let's go there. <laughs> well, the fun, you know, the exciting <laughs> thing about, or an interesting thing about rose, like true rose absolute in its pure form from grass is more valuable in weight than gold is. It's like one of the most expensive, you know, ingredients wow. out there. So it's, you know, I, I love really. And how do you extract food. the smell from a flower? See, now I'm just gonna go there. There's like there's CO2 extractions, solvent extractions. There's just all there's a bunch of different ones and different and the different forms of extraction can bring out different characteristics in whatever you're you're extracting. But um, what I love about boy smells is that kind of like what you're saying, like that age thing, like taking ingredients that are familiar to you that are kind of in the canon of things that you smell, things that your grandmother wore, things that your mom wore. Right. And then, you know, taking them and doing something like really weird and really different with them and unexpected. You know, I said the word that we like to use about the brand is gender full. And when we create a scent, I like to try to take something that's traditionally masculine and something that's traditionally feminine. And I say traditionally because I don't know who invented that flowers are for girls and like woods are for guys or musk are for guys, but somebody did. So I like to take things that are traditionally masculine, traditionally feminine and mix them together. And I think that the dynamicism between masculine and feminine energy resides in everyone and that 
we should all tap into our full spectrum of energy. And if you're going to wear a fragrance, that should kind of represent a more full idea of yourself and a more full kind of full version of your tendencies. I really like that. I like your term gender full because I do think at any given point in time, like these traditional roles of like, you know, girls play with dolls and boys are trucks and and Mm. blah, blah, blah. Like I never was like that. You know, like I ripped Barbie doll heads out of their body and I was playing with Transformers, but I also liked pink. And, you know, there was yeah. uh, whatever that means. And so I, I what I'm sensing from you is that you're kind of trying to change, like having a category at all. You're just like, yeah. here's a smell. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> like, you're not like this is a boy. This is in the boys section and this is in the female section. Right. Like, you're totally. just like this is a scent. Do you fucking like it or not? And that's the criteria. Yeah. And it's it's like it's even like post CK one. Even it's like it's like post genderless. It's post unisex. It's like it's really kind of like this neo-inclusivity towards just about people who are living in their authenticity and in their truth. You know, we did a collaboration for Candles with Casey Musgraves and she's a straight cis woman, as far as I know. But she's a woman writing her own music with liberal points of view in this like hyper male dominated country music industry. And for us, that is genderful. Like genderful is not just queer. It's not just straight. It is like, it's about owning your identity and, you know, expressing it in the way that you see fit and like kind of honors, you know, who you are in your most authentic way. You know, we're living in a cool time. We're in a time of like, Lizzo and Harry Styles, where, you know, guys can be on the cover of Vogue in dresses and people are celebrated for different sizes and different experiences. And I think that that is post binary ideas of putting people into boxes is really exciting to me. And we want to make sure that the products we make, the only goal is to reflect the modernity of identity today. You worked in fashion at Nasty Gal, which is I guess now, I mean, I would even consider it kind of like an iconic 2000s brand, right? Mm -hmm. How much of you, and actually you didn't mention this when we asked you about identifying, do you identify as queer or do I, I don't want to misidentify. No, 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 no. I, I respect labels a lot because it's, they are really important to some people. I don't personally get super hung up on how people refer to me. And that's just because it doesn't personally bother me very much. But um, so I, gay I, and queer might be interchangeable for you. If yes, I said, oh, yes. Matt's gay or Matt's queer, you'd be like, cool, I'm both. I'm fine. Yeah. And I prefer okay. I think I prefer queer just because I think there's a certain kind of like 90s Will and Grace vibe. Totally. Okay? You know, <laughs> that's a little like when I think of gay, I think of like a very specific type of kind of like Abercrombie and Fitch type of gay, you know, <laughs> that's, God, that's my brother, my brother, you know, what we call him, even though he doesn't know it, but hi, Richard, if you're listening, we call him a San Diego gay. <laughs> Don't you exactly know what I'm talking about right now? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So how much of labels your- are important? People. Labels are important. <laughs> I digress. Yes. How much of that queerness though is, in the brand. You know what I mean? You talk yeah. about being genderful. I, I love the fact that you're not just working with queer identifying people. I think it's awesome to look at 
things in a different way. So thank you for explaining that collaboration with Casey Musgraves, who is also incredibly attractive and I, cool. I love her. Uh, She's <laughs> amazing. Really fucking she wrote an awesome. Album off like mushrooms and acid, and I'm yeah. just like here for it. But yeah, no. she's like equally as lovely as a you know like behind the scenes be. as she is like forward facing. That's good to hear. But so how much of your queerness is in the brand, and do you want people to know that it's a queer founded brand? Is that important to you? I think that things have changed a lot in the past five or six years since we started the brand. We started this brand as a side hustle. We were just like working in the fashion industry, a hundred dresses every month to design and like, you know, fast fashion and consumption. And sure. we're just like, you know, we'd love to work on something that, you know, you invent one cent, it lives for 10 years. That was just like the total opposite of what we were doing. And we were also rounding uh, into our mid thirties and concentrating on the home and lifestyle and stuff like that. So going into candles was, was super attractive to us. But when it came time to stop making them just for friends and family and like put it into a box and brand it and say like, Hey, let's, you know, like see how this does. We never thought it would be what it is today for sure. But I was like, let's call it voicemails and put it in a pink box. But like in my mind, I was like, that is really exciting to me and fun and funny. But I was like, this will have like a ceiling on it. You know, like this will right. never like, you know, we're expanding into all 100 doors of Nordstrom as a queer brand. And I was like, never thought like something like that would be possible for something that presented with so much gender fuckery. You know, it's called right. voice, yeah. but it comes in a pink box. It's like we have two gender identifiers purposely like misdirecting against each other. So I think for a while, we were a little bit timid about putting a ton of that into the brand and being so values forward and just talking about the brand. But every time we do and we talk about our values and we reinforce it, it improves the brand. It improves the relationship with the customer. They understand that we don't just make pretty candles and fancy fragrance and ungendered underwear, you know, we, we are contributing to a dialogue around what it means to be living at this time, this unique time and how we engage with products that we use every day. And I love that. I think it's, it's super exciting. And the minute that we started talking about it more, we're seeing like, it's good business too. It's like better retention of customers, yeah, more repeat right. customers, like our values and people like knowing that we stand for something allows us to like launch something like find fragrance because people already are aligned with our ethos, you know, right. and that's like super cool. And I think the thing that like surprised me the most was that when we called up voicemails and put it in a pink box, you know, David and I were kind of jokingly talking about the stores that you might see and I'm not shitting on these neighborhoods, but you know what I mean when I say it. It's a little bit like the San Diego comment. You know, the stores that you see in Chelsea or in West Hollywood, you know, like along the strip, you know, they're like kind of terrible, you know? I'm so sorry, What do you mean, What do you mean? Yeah, I'm sorry. Could you elaborate? Are you talking about the like mannequins that have like a 19 pack and like glittery thong underwear and chaps on? And yeah, just purple triangles everywhere and shit like that. I'm talking about like jock straps that really come to life under a black light, you know? Which by the way... 
thank you for that because you know what? I actually miss watching a very scantily clothed, young, you know, wannabe commercial actor in a glow in the dark jockstrap at yeah. Rage. I actually yeah. miss it. I never thought I'd I would. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I just miss the smell of a place that's really just been worn in by vodka and, and vomit yeah, and, and sweat. Vomit. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. <laughs> I want to get back to a little bit of you and your and yeah. your upbringing, and, and I'm sure Liz is going to get to it next, but I, just piggybacking off of what you said, because, you know, like to you as a person, and you're like, I don't really care about labels as much. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you would know a label that you wouldn't want to be called. I think yeah, we all have sure. our standards of things of like, oh, that makes me uncomfortable or it's offensive to me. But I'm kind of the same way. Like, even if, you know, if Liz called me a he because we're, you know, because we're yeah. friends, or I'd be like, oh, we're boys. Like, I wouldn't care. You know, that's yeah. kind of like this. But at the same time, and boy smells, as you mentioned, like boy is on the front created mm-hmm. by two, at least I, I, I think I'm going to go on an assumption here, two cisgender men, yep. um, but in pink packaging. So while you're sort of breaking these binary, you know, pink versus blue and, mm-hmm. and boy versus girl, you're also really leaning into them. And, I, and yeah. you know, by saying like, here we are taking these standard stereotypes and fucking with you now and gender fuckery. Yeah. But how much... Like as a kid, I guess I never, and the world is changing and sort of opening mm-hmm. up my eyes, but like I'm born a woman, I identify as a woman, um, but I loved wearing my boy's clothes and my brother's clothes. Yeah. And I loved wearing, I loved playing sports. I never thought of it as like, I'm breaking a gender norm. What do you think about it is now that we're focused so much on these it feels like we're focused so much on binary than we ever used to be as children. And I'm in my early thirties. So we all kind of grew up in the same era. If you Yeah, will. totally. What, I, what do you I, think I about think, that? I, well, I think that there's a lot of things that like, I love to do as a kid that like, I slowly learn to be shameful of, you know, mm-hmm. like things Got that it. like, and I think, you know, gender is learned, you know, yep. uh, identity, like the rules for identity are learned. Like we learn that, pink is for girls and that blue is for boys. We learned that girls are supposed to smell like flowers and boys are supposed to smell like musks and woods and stuff like that. Ew, gross, boys. <laughs> so, you know, I for me as an adult queer person, it's really about, I constantly think like, who's the person I would have been if I had grown up now where there's like so much queer representation right. on television and like, there's like, you really can't make a TV show without full representation of, of everything, you know, without kind of being taken to task, which is really cool. But I've watched like three different amazing shows on HBO or Hulu or Netflix recently that really center around full queer narratives. And I'm just like, you know, who would I have been if I'd grown up in this, in this time? So a lot of boy smells is kind of like a love letter or like, or an apology, or I don't know what it is like to, to this younger version of myself that would have loved right. to like smell like florals mixed with woods or like would have loved to kind of just have like products that you use every day, like reflect a more kind of complex version of identity. Cause even when I grew up and like into my twenties, you know, I really didn't associate with gay culture. And some of my best friends are guys who really like live in that gay culture, but it was never like for me specifically. And I think that the way things are evolving now, it's really about individuality 
you know, the way that I view myself is that I view like when it gets down to it, if push comes to I view myself as a man, but like completely informed by like feminine energy, you know, like, like right. actresses, female singers, like I had an interest in nothing else, but like She-Ra, My Little Ponies, Tori Amos, Dolly Parton, like, Tori you know. Tori Amos, are you, you know, sure you're like, not a lesbian? Are you confident you here, Matt? Are you sure you're not a lesbian? Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> tendencies to the culture, <laughs> yes. Um, for yes. sure. I'm like, I loved all of those things too, but you could I'm swap like, out Tori Amos with yeah. Tupac oh and then God. we would be the same person. Yes. Right, totally. exactly. Oh, I definitely saw like uh, Tori Amos and Alanis Morissette went on tour together at one point. I think I definitely saw two shows. Of course. Tour. Yes. Um, <laughs> but like Annie Lennox, Bjork, you know, like all of this yeah. is like, like these are like, what totally informed my taste, you know, but like my identity is like, I guess, complex, you know, and it's not like a straight A to B arrow. And like that, I think is something that should be celebrated. And I see that being celebrated a lot more in culture, media, publications, just TV shows, characters, narratives, storytelling, you know, it's just really awesome right now. And I think that there is a concentration on the binary because it's just being shattered. So it's like, it's impossible to kind of like move forward without kind of like laughing about and recognizing the past. And I see so many people that I love on Instagram, like guys wearing like corsets with like a blazer and like a handbag, but with like cowboy boots. And like, that is genderful. Like we're playing with all this iconography of like hyper feminine with like hyper masculine. And like, that is like super interesting to me. And it, to say that it's not about gender is like kind of crazy to me because like there's nothing more gendered than like a corset and there's like nothing more gendered than like a suit. But like, it's so cool to see like guys like, you know, wearing a corset underneath a suit with a handbag. Like to me, that's like really turning a cool look, but that is like really about gender. You know, it's about the right. contrast, you know, it's and a it's response a- to it or something, yeah. but it's about it for sure. It's it postmodern it. gender. It's like a mix-up, but it exists. To me, like genderless is like a like a linen tunic that like has no shape. You know what I mean? Totally. That and is right. like a sheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sheet yeah. with like, buttons, basically, is what you're telling me. Yeah, sheet yeah. with buttons. Oh my god. Where well, did you grow up, by the way? I grew up in Austin, Texas. Keeping it oh. weird. You yeah. are definitely keeping it weird. Keeping okay. It weird. You are- and you talk about how you didn't feel like you were a part of kind of like gay male culture, which I were rather like the whole identity wrapped into it, which I understand. I mean, I think it's also for me, I make fun of my brother. Sorry, Richard, for being a, <laughs> a San Diego gay, but being gay is so much a part of his life and identity and culture and and hate me if you will, I'm going to put him on blast, but it is all about like his six pack and his fucking bottomless mimosa. You know what I mean? And I'm always like, dude, that is not how I, that is so not my vibe. And so what was it like for you growing up in Austin, Texas? Did you feel and come out as queer quite young? Was that an evolution for you? So I told like my best friend when I was a freshman in high school And then I slowly came out to maybe a couple more people in like junior year and then a couple more people senior year. And then like, I literally like opened my dorm room in college, you know, and was like, I'm gay. (laughs) 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 
shouting it from the rooftops here. I was like, literally, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait. You know, so I kind of like slowly came out. But, you know, my mom was the president of her sorority in college. And my dad was the president of his fraternity in college. Like, you know, I come from a family that embraces like pretty traditional gender norms. They are politically very liberal now, but 80s and 90s in Texas, you know, conservatism wasn't quite as extreme as it is now. They've been really turned off by the past couple decades of conservatism. But I would say that the majority of the people and families that we grew up with related as, you know, Republicans. And but I don't know, I, I, I had a really non-traumatic other than a few things that aren't really that traumatic compared to most people's I know like that's all relative but I came out pretty in my opinion unbruised from childhood and high school I did a great job in high school I was like you know kind of friends with the cheerleaders and the jocks and I was friends with the drama sure. people and I was friends with like the weirdos and all I did was like you know do art all the time so I was like friends with all like the art kids and then I would like throw parties on the weekends with my parents would go out of town and I'm like all of those people would come, you know? And so I was kind of me and a couple of you my friends. You sound great. You're like the yeah, best man. kid in all high school. <laughs> you're like the gay ally of all allies. Like you're king over here or queen, whatever the fuck you want to be called. Like you own it. It's awesome. I just always kind of like transgressed groups and like made friends with lots of people. And I, I never felt like an outcast necessarily, but I did feel not free enough to like come out this minute I knew it and just like live in my truth immediately. That just definitely felt like scary, you know? So I like was out to close friends and then I kind of embraced a fuller version of that once I got to college. When you look back at that time and you said like it was, it might've been scary for you to just kind of like Mm -hmm. get to the point where you're opening up the door and being like, I'm gay. What was scaring you? Was it the signals around you of saying, I'm not going to be accepted? Or was it for you personally saying, my life might be a little harder or more complicated or more nuanced? I think like all the people I grew up with, like my parents were friends with their parents. You know, it was like, it was like very much like a part. I was very much part of like a community. And I think I just needed the space to like go to college, just like be me without any reference to anybody else or like my family or my parents or like people who known me since I was, you know, in diapers and just kind of like get a little bit of distance just to kind of like feel really comfortable in my own skin without any kind of like it reflecting on anybody else. I think I was just worried more about like, you know, what are people going to say? And what are my parents going to think? And like, what are people going to think about my parents? And like, it was more kind of like a social thing more than it was like, I'm scared of who I am. And there's parts of that too. I mean, you know, when you hit puberty, you're like, this is fucking exciting, but it's also kind of terrifying, (laughs) you know, like, you know, it feels a little dangerous because it's not what everybody else is doing. And you've grown up with these little micro negatives around the ideas of being gay, being said through friends or family or, you know, social situations or whatever. And you kind of just learn that like, it's probably not a good idea to be that way, you know, versus anybody being like, oh, like no one came into me. I was like, I didn't grow up in some conservative church where somebody was like, that's a sin, you know, and like, you're going to burn in hell if you do that. But I did grow up in a culture of Texas where it was like, doesn't feel like maybe if I could choose. It's in Gayville. Yeah. Yeah, It's not Chelsea or West Hollywood is what you're saying. Yeah, right. Sure. Sure. 
I actually, I have a, a, an interesting question for you. And I was sort of thinking about this as you were talking and um, I'm not, I'm not even sure how to quite phrase it, but basically when you were just talking to us, you know, you're like, my parents were kind of Republicans in the eighties. And then in the past few decades, yeah. they got sort of pissed off about what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, especially because this is happens to be a very politically charged moment. Right. And it's kind of like, if you're not a Republican, you're a Democrat. If you're not a Democrat, you're a Republican. If you didn't vote for Hillary, you voted for Trump. If you, you know, that yeah. it's very binary. Like the world is very binary in that way, except in gender. And do you think though, that in much like politics and maybe how we uh, describe ourselves with that or who we voted for or what policy there is an obligation for us as citizens and as humans of the world to sort of treat it like gender, maybe in a way, and and say to ourselves, like, maybe it's not black and white. Maybe it's not boy, girl. Maybe there's so many nuances to being a Democrat or a Republican Mm -hmm. and being totally gay and being a Republican. And that's okay. And and kind of like, but I could sort of sense you, you know, almost not making an excuse, but being like, hey, my parents are Republicans, but they're cool. Like, yeah. where am I coming from? You know, it's kind of like your parents could be Republicans I'm and like, still be rep- cool my now. My parents are Republicans and they're not and, cool. Right. But maybe that has nothing to do with them being Republicans. Yeah. And it's like, I do think the world would be served if we treated more things like you're treating gender. Do you agree with that? I think that there are certain political issues right now that come down to being uh, like a level of morality. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. like, like it's gotta be yes or no here. If it's not, yes, it's no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like trans rights, immigration, sure. uh, women's rights, like what's happening at the border or what happened at the border. Like there are certain things that are just like, that cross a moral line that I think if you sit on this side of this issue, it's going to be really, really hard for us to be friends, you know? And unfortunately, I think that some aspects of Republicanness has been so radicalized that mm-hmm. we're really coming down to like moral issues sometimes at the end of the day on some of this stuff. That said, I think that we should all embrace middle of the road, you know, conservatives who like don't associate with like I don't know, this Donald Trump version of Republicanness, which I think is, right. you know, because like so much of Republicanness has shifted to that, like people like my parents are really kind of abandoning that, any ideals about that and just are kind of like so repulsed by it that they are, they have no choice but to to kind of identify another way. So, you know, th- that's a c- super complicated thing. But as a queer person, it's really hard to watch and stand by when you see inequity as a queer person, I think everybody knows what it's like to, you really know what it's like to be on the outside. And that is just really hard to stomach when you see any group go through it. I agree. You started the brand as a side hustle, which I love. I'm all for a side hustle. Darren is as well. We have tons of them ourselves. And I feel like the brand has such a beautiful, beautiful aesthetic. The creative is obviously so important to you guys on so many levels, right? To convey a story, to convey a message, you know, being able to buy something online, which many people do now, right? Like the world is 80% mobile first. Don't worry. Yes, I work at a publisher and I'm <laughs> a fucking I was going to be nerd. like, you whip that statistic out, mother. Like, how did you know that? Oh, wait, you work at a digital brand. <laughs> I'm also like, I could really whip out, you know, and uh, the beauty industry in particular in sense has grown. Uh, no, I won't do that. But 
making people understand who you are as a brand online first is actually incredibly difficult mm-hmm. and and nuanced. And then I even think, how could you understand what something smells like, right? Not in person. How much does like Instagram culture and internet culture affect how you name some of the candles and the scents or even coming up with them? Or does it affect at all? Or are you just like thinking about it after the fact? I'm like a person who's like, everything's connected at every level, you know, like that's like very like, I'm like very boundless in like my ideas of like, you know, putting things at the boxes. So, I mean, I'm on Instagram, me and David are making, and he's on Instagram too. We're making the, everything that comes out of the company. It would be impossible to say. You're it, private on Instagram though. Cause I tried to look true. you up. That's, that's true. I am, but <laughs> I'm in inter- I'm as a, as a creative person. I am. I mean, I'm on Instagram. I, I don't even want to know. I don't, I don't even look at my screen time. It's like, it's, I, I know I'd just be too. Do you have old. a Finsta account or is it just the private one that you have? And then boy smells. I just have the private one and then, um, and then boy smells, but, um, it's too much for me to like, it would be impossible to detether the creation of our brand and like our brand identity from Instagram, because that's how people do business now. Like that's like where our community is like, that's how we're talking to people. That's where people are talking back to us. And of course there's like cultural references and my scent memories and everything that like informs what I'm bringing to the table. But like we're making and engaging in a brand that is modern and is of course on social media because it would be um, impossible not to be. And I think that it's been really great and awesome. Like I love talking to our customers. Like if previous to Instagram, like how else would you get to talk to your customers every single day in that way? Like it's direct to consumer. It's perfect. Really? Yeah. It's And also like the whole gender conversation and like, queer politics has just been completely blessed by social media because it's like a place where people can connect. And if they feel isolated, they can find a community and like activism can happen in real time. And like all of that is like adjacent to, or a part of our brand. And like, it would just be impossible for it to exist without, without social media. I'm wondering actually about your name, Boy Smells, because to me, like I'm a lesbian, I identify as such, and I'm a cisgender woman. And like, I just love the name. First off, I'm just like attracted to the name, but, and I could be completely wrong. I don't have any statistics about this, but it seems to me that women in general are probably buying more fragrances than men tend to buy. They buy more household items. I would assume uh, is the assumption there, which might be incorrect, but did your naming uh, saying boy smells have anything to do with probably targeting more women into it? Like would girl smells have the same vibe or- I was kind of on my way to like telling that story earlier, but that, that, that was the huge surprise, you know, like, like we called it boy smells because like, I like floral things and I like, I have a certain taste and taste level and I didn't feel that represented in like Chelsea and, you know, West Hollywood. So, so we recreated boy smells, but the crazy thing is that like when I was working at any fashion company, most of my coworkers were women, which is, you know, so awesome. And I'm over here like spraying some floral rose tulip fragrance right before we go into some board meeting to present like, you know, next season's designs or whatever. And one Casual. of my girlfriends is like, you know, design director of denim or design director of like tops or whatever, you know, they're spraying like Tom Ford Tuscan leather totally. and Stockholm <laughs> yes. 33. And yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so everyone's crossing the binary, but like with <laughs> fragrance, you know, that seems to be like, it's like the boyfriend blazer of right. like non-binary nets, like to wear like a boyfriend cologne or to wear a men's cologne is like very safe. 
for women. Sure. It's, and it's, can be very chic, actually. Exactly. Because we're harnessing, harnessing that power. Like you're like, fuck it. You know, like I'm in charge. I'm a boss. Like I'm going to smell like Tuscan leather. And me, I'm like, <laughs> I'm a lady. I'm going to tap into my deep inner feminine and wear this rose absolute all day. You know, and that is like really what genderfulness is. But when we came out with a brand, you know, we had thought about it as a brand, as, you know, queer men wanting to embrace and being allowed and given permission to embrace our feminine side. It actually came out and women were like, sweet. Yes, I want to smell like a boy. Like, and this is in a pink box. And so it worked both ways. It was like a, it was a permission for both sides to cross over. And you are right. Our demographic is 65% women and 35% men. And that's so cool. I mean, like, there's no rules, you know, yeah. like, it's, it's just it's, we're the wild west of like, what a brand can be. And, and that's like, super exciting to me. It's awesome. Well, Darren, should we play a little scissor me this? If I know Matthew, he loves a scissoring thing. I can handle a little scissoring. A little scissoring. You got to scissor the wick before you start a candle. So here we yep. go. This is kind of a perfect uh, runaround, Liz. <laughs> Darren. You like how I kind of, it was my secretary. Oh, sh- uh, I mean, we should have sent you guys a wick trimmers. And that's like the obvious gift for you guys. <laughs> the oh obvious God. gift for us. The candle scissor. Because I use actual scissors when I cut my wick, which a oh. lot of people don't know to cut the I wick. I didn't know and you, you had to do cut, that. You got to oh. cut the wick so it burns evenly. Am I right, Matt? Help we, me out yes. on this. Oh, my God. We have a beautiful embossed black lacquered Ooh. wick trimmer that really has y'all's names written all over it. Mind blown. I got to scissor the wick. I'm yes. opening my notes just to remind myself to send <laughs> wick scissors. Oh, my God. This, this could have saved... So many $80, $70 candles. candles that I just destroyed. Yes. We end our show on a rapid fire, complete nonsense, bullshitty type of questions that are just meant to make you laugh. So Liz, go ahead with the first question. What does your first crush smell like? I don't remember. I remember who they are. I actually just looked them up on Instagram like yesterday. Yes. But um, the fantasy had kind of gotten lost. He's like married <laughs> with two kids and balding. But um <laughs> as they always are by the way yes i don't remember i bet i don't know maybe like mossy and green yeah mossy and green well it was was somebody from summer camp so it was like so i mean Mm -hmm. i i assume it smells like the woods and sticks grass stains and yeah okay exactly your next candle has to be one of these three scents you Mm -hmm. have to choose one which one are you choosing post-workout underarm sweat Morning breath or socks post five mile hike. Armpits after the workout, for sure. And we're doing this. This will be my candle, of course. And you and you're doing this because there's like pheromones in sweat and like there's yeah. like yeah, and like you know, like fresh sweat right after you work out is usually like dripping off you. It's like pretty clean at that point, right? You're like you flush yes. all the toxins out. But it's like that first ten minutes of workout that you really got to you know be careful of. <laughs> You know, I'm going to rephrase my question then for first 10 minutes sweat. I was going to say mine usually smells like a nice Syrah blend or a Barolo (laughs) in those first five minutes. Okay. Uh, um, Choose one CKB or CK1. CK1. Just because it's like totally nostalgic to high school or middle school or whenever. Can I be honest? I literally still have my CKB and I ripped it out not that long ago and I wore it and it totally holds up though. 
like I still love like Baby Blue Jean by Versace, and I think that's like sold at like Kirkland Signature now or something. This is like, reminding like, me of like Gap <laughs> Sense Kirkland. I bought in middle school, and like oh, Clinique yeah. Happy, like my oh, yeah dream, like Clinique Happy, oh. like this is hitting all the feels for me, guys. Uh, oh my god, do you remember like Earth and Grass from yes. the Gap? Oh my god, uh, dream. That was the like the perfect one. like foray as at least for a young woman to like get into fragrance as a thing like it was actually a pretty good stepping stone i felt like totally yeah and it was like not gendered and it was like it was like yeah yeah, it was crazy i'll admit it i wore angel in like eighth grade ninth yeah come on liz i did i know teary he knows i i wore like old lady perfume as like a 13 year old but as it should be Okay, Matthew, if you could smell one celebrity, who would it be? Well, I'd probably Dolly Parton, right? <gasps> you know? Oh, I mean, what does Dolly Parton smell like, do you think? Fucking cash. Well, she just came out with a perfume, you know, which I, I haven't smelled yet, but I mean, dreams. Um, yeah. I, I just want to be close enough to Dolly Parton at some point in my life to like be able to get a whiff of her because that means I'm like in her presence, which is- Great answer. You know, we can only hope to like absorb- whatever that is, you know, you're close though. Casey Musgraves is like one step. You're like, here's the thing though. Let's say if you meet Dolly Parton, Uh what what would be worse? She's mean to you or she smells horrendous. Oh my, I would love it if she was mean to me. I mean, like, like, wouldn't we all? Yes. I mean, She's so sweet. I don't think she lives like that, but like, she never would. She I, never like, would. you know, for lack of a better word, like, for like somebody who has such a boss, you know, like that, yeah. that like big D energy, you know, for somebody like, you know, to like somebody to be mean to you, I, it was kind of like when you get braces and they get tightened and it's like you kind of like, you love the hurt of it, you know, it's like, if Dolly Parton was mean to me, it would be like a fantasy for me. You'd die and go to heaven after that. Absolutely. Like, career Absolutely. made. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tex-Mex or barbecue? Oh, Tex-Mex for sure. I mean, it was kind of an obvious one. God, I love you. Okay, last one for me. What do you think President Joe Biden smells like? And what do you think Vice President Kamala Harris smells like? Okay, like I think like Joe Biden smells like the scotch guard that you spray. So like your like (laughs) pants slacks don't like cling to your socks. I have a feeling like (laughs) Joe is like big on that. You know, he probably has a fresh whiff of anti-static guard. Oh, great answer. Kamala Harris. I don't know. I, I assume she smells like jasmine or like orange blossom or something just like wonderful and and beautiful and pure and great. I don't know. Yeah. Clinique yeah. happy is what she wears. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's too, that's too youthful. She wears, it's I feel like she's youthful. got a little like musk in there. I will say oh, yeah. because I've had the pleasure of being in her presence. She has... Talk about big D energy. Like she is sex vibes. Smart, probably because she's so smart, but like she is sexy. Yeah, I hope she smells like, you know, maybe she's like black tea and a floral mixed together, a little musk, you know. She she she's pulling all the levers, you know. Yeah. So she's got every scent in the world, basically. Yeah, she's genderful for sure. I mean oh my God. I have some more, but I think we should end there because <laughs> 
We got to end on Kamala Harris. You can't end on yeah. anything else. I mean, it's, I it's a perfect way to end. Matthew, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your sense with the world. We are huge fans of yours and your and your company. Where can people find you? Although I know that you're private, but where can people find yeah. your candles, et cetera? Please plug whatever you would like. At Boysmells, www.boysmells.com. Come and find us. If you are shopping IRL, um, we'll be in mini Nordstrom's next month and then rolling out awesome. to all of them by the end of the summer. Congratulations. Yeah. Come and smell and, and, and hang out with us. Well, you can find us at SIAT podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Darren is Carpe Darren. I am Listen to Liz. Matthew, it has been a pleasure. A pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been very, very fun and a great <laughs> little break to my day. I appreciate oh, great. it. And, and all the best to your partner, David, as well. We, we can't wait to see what else. Oh, the fragrance, the underwear. We're very excited about everything. Thanks, guys. Have fun. Bye. Scissoring Isn't a Thing is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begas. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>